Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode to dive into the world of Japanese baseball, it's academic and author Christopher Hood. Chris specializes in Japanese studies, and so we sat down to talk about his favorite sport in the country, and that is, of course, baseball. This was something he learned about during his time abroad studying the culture. And it's one that I'm so glad he brought to the podcast because it's truly fascinating. There is so much we get into from the history of the sport, the different teams, his favorite team, the stadiums, the culture that seems to come with the sport, and so much more. It's a truly brilliant conversation that I cannot wait to share with all of you. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. This is Japanese Baseball with Dr. Christopher Hood. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me, Harley. I'm uh, really looking forward to this. Uh, my pleasure, Chris. So I guess uh, really we should get into the topic that you've brought along, which is Japanese baseball. And it's something I know pretty much nothing about. So I'm really, really excited to learn about it. Uh, so to really get us started, let's go back to your history with the sport. When were you first introduced to it? Okay, so to understand how I first got introduced to it, it's worth sort of just explaining a bit how I got introduced to Japan at one level. Um, so I went to a high school which was mostly for foreign students wanting to go to British universities. So when I was there, there was about 225 students, of which only 15 were British. Um, and although I have friends from all around the world, many of my friends were actually Japanese. And one day the head teacher was talking to us about thinking about university options came out from that meeting, bumped into one of my Japanese friends, and he sort of said, so Chris, what are you going to do? And just jokingly, I said Japanese, and then sort of went <laughs> home and thought, well, actually, maybe not such a bad idea. Um, yeah. Next day, went into the university, and into the school, sorry, and checked whether it's possible to study Japanese at university, um, found there was just a handful of universities in those days that would do it. And it kind of just went from there. Um, and using some money I got from my grandfather in his will, um, decided that after completing my A-levels and before um, getting my A-level results, in fact, I think I arrived back in the UK um, the day before the A-level results, something like that, um, I went and travelled around Japan for four weeks and also went on to Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, I think it was. Um, so I went to Japan for four weeks. This is back in 1989. And particularly during the days when I was in Tokyo, um, there was a certain routine to my days. Um, I was yeah. staying with friends from my high school, um, so that was all free, um, which was lovely, although I subsequently discovered as I became more of an expert on Japan that actually when they'd invited me to stay at the house, they may not have actually amended it, but who <laughs> them back out by that stage when I turned up at their doorstep. Um, right. But part of the routine each day was getting back and, sort of it's late afternoon or whatever, turning the TV on. And um, I think because it was July, there was a sumo tournament on at that time. But then in the early evening and going late into the evening, other than Mondays, there was always baseball on. Now, baseball was a sport I was aware of its existence, but obviously we don't, I mean, even now we don't get much baseball on TV in the UK. Um, no. There was a bit more sort of in the 90s when Channel 5 started up, they used to show Major League, but in the 80s, nothing. Um, I had really mm. no knowledge of this sport. Um, when I was at a previous school, I had once played softball 
and had no understanding of the rules. And one got told off by a teacher and the rest of my teammates when I, having done a complete circuit, I then continued to do a circuit rather than go and sit down because no one had told me that once you've done a circuit, that's the end. You sort of, you've scored and you now can sit down. The other thing I discovered with softball is that um, it's a really stupid name of the sport because this ball I discovered <laughs> when I went to catch it without any protection of a glove was anything <laughs> but soft. But anyway, back to Japan. Um, I had yeah. this limited knowledge of what softball or baseball was. Um, it was on every day. I'd be sitting there with friends, like having snacks and having drinks mm. and so on. And um, found it very easy to just pick up and understand the rules after just watching it for a couple of days. I mean, I'm sure there were subtleties which I didn't understand. But compared to circuit, which obviously is its closest relation in terms of British sports and many other sports, it's very easy to understand. And so it just became part of the daily routine watching it. Um, mm. And so it kind of started from there, really. Right. Wow. Okay. And I guess from there, then, it's sort of, have you followed it up much? Or I don't know what it's like to try and keep on top of it yes. from, from the UK. So, I mean, obviously, we need to put this in perspective. I mean, here we're talking 1989. So yeah, yeah. the internet does not exist yet. Um, mm. And I didn't go, I, actually, I went to one game during that trip. Um, another mm-hmm. person um, who sort of looked after me for a day took me to, to, a, uh, to watch a match, um, which I remember nothing of other than it yeah. being outside and noisy and, and so on, I <laughs> guess. Um, and because the friend who I was staying with was in Tokyo and the team that I watched, I think also at, um, when I went to watch a match, although the, at that point they were the away team, um, was the Tokyo Yomuri Giants, um, usually known as the Yomuri Giants. So most Japanese baseball uh-huh. teams are, um, rather than being known by the location where they're based, they're, named, they're known by their main sponsor, which in this case is the Yomuri right. Shimbun, which is the biggest single newspaper in Japan. They also have linked TV yes. channels and so on. Um, okay. I started supporting them. And so I had a, I mm. bought a baseball cap of theirs, and when I came back mm-hmm. to the UK and found that I got the grades to start studying Japanese at uh, Sheffield University, I went to classes almost every day wearing my Yomiuri Shimbun um, <laughs> baseball cap quite proudly. Um, yeah, yeah. And then after two terms in Sheffield, we went out. This is, I mean, this is really showing my age now. We had three <laughs> terms rather than two semesters um, right. in what would be the summer term, um, which, I mean, for current what, current day university students is basically your last two weeks of teaching just after uh, of lessons just after the easter break and then the exam period um yeah we went out to japan for about 10 weeks and the first bit of that because i was based in kawasaki right on the doorstep of tokyo and um the families i was staying with were also tokyo yomiuri giants fans there was no reason really for me to change allegiances again i was still watching the matches on tv and then we moved down to the osaka area and that's where things really started to change because the family i was staying with there although i referred to them as host father and host mother in reality they were only maybe 10 years older than me which i mean when you're 19 years old 10 years difference seems like a lifetime yeah. difference um yeah the host father was a very passionate Hanshin Tigers fan. Um, Hanshin right. being um, both the name of an area of Japan and sort of um, the characters are made up from um, the reading, a different 
alternative regional part of Osaka and also of Kobe. Um, but it's also yeah. the name of, or was the name of a railway company in, in that area. He was a very passionate Hanshin Tigers fan, and their main rival is the Tokyo Yomiuri Giants. So we mm. had a slight difference of opinion on baseball teams. <laughs> um, and I think during that trip, I spent most of the time winding him up because yes. Hanshin Tigers are very good at losing fundamentally. Right. Uh, right. And also grasping defeat from the jaws of victory. So particularly <laughs> when they were losing to the Giants, um, this was obviously yeah. very entertaining for me. Um, sure. But gradually, as we went on, and I think this sort of then continued when I moved back to Sheffield and started sort of meeting other people and sort of getting a better awareness of things, I realized that Yomiuri Giants really wasn't the team for me. Um, right. I mean, put it in sort of British football context. Sure. It's like if someone was to move to the UK and choose to support a football team, I mean, particularly if we're talking here about the 1990s, mm. they would it would be the equivalent of them supporting Manchester United. I mean, 95% of Manchester United fans have never been to Old Trafford. Um, I suspect yeah. these days the similar sort of things can be said about Man City, Liverpool or whatever. Um, Manchester United is not my team. I mean, I support Sheffield United, another team which is well known for grasping defeat from the jaws of victory. Please do not mention the word <laughs> playoffs to us ever. Um, <laughs> so I kind of realised that actually maybe I was supporting a team which wasn't really right for me. And sure. so yeah. I, I switched from supporting Yomiuri Giants to supporting Hanson Tigers. And I'm guessing mm. this happened in a roundabout... I mean, it certainly happened by 1993 when I moved out to Japan to live in Japan for a year, but I think it had probably happened before that, 1991, 92, at a guess. I don't really have an exact figure year for it. Mm. Um, but Hanson Tigers just seemed more my sort of team based on, as I said, one, I support a football team in the UK, which um, also doesn't tend to be overly successful. And I'm also heavily into American football, and the American yeah. football team that I support has also been known for um, throwing away leads and having disappointing <laughs> moments. So culturally, right. the Henshin Tigers seem more like my sort of team, yes. Yeah, yeah. You like to root for an underdog then. It's an underdog, but it, it's, it's more than that. Um, so the Henshin Tigers last year, so we're to I'm talking here about the 2021 season, um, mm -hmm. They were almost unstoppable. I mean, I think they were setting records for like one of the strongest starts of the season ever. Um, it was really of no surprise to most Hanshin Tigers fans that we didn't actually end up winning the championship. Um, they, right. they, they, they blew it again. Um, that's part of the culture <laughs> of the place. Um, I mean, sure. they're one of the oldest teams, but they didn't win their first championship until 1985. Oh, and they wow. didn't win it again until 2003. Um, and there's actually okay. a couple of stories I can tell you about these championships, um, if you're, you're, you're interested. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is a long time between drinks, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, let's start off with the 1985 one, which obviously predates mm -hmm. me even studying Japan, going to Japan, anything like that. Um, right. So my understanding of 1985 comes from history books, things people have posted on YouTube, talking to Hanshin Tigers fans, whatever. Yeah. And part of why I know about the 1985 side of things also is because it's ended up coming into my research. 
So one of the things we haven't really touched upon much yet is uh-huh. that um, as well as studying Japanese at university, I went on to become a university lecturer myself. So I research about Japan. I write academic books about Japan. I also write novels set in Japan. And one of the studies I did in Japan about Japan is related to the world's biggest single plane crash, which happened in Japan in August of 1985. Wow. And how all this ties to the Hanshin Tigers um, is in a couple of ways. One president of the baseball team was actually on the flight. There were 524 passengers oh. on this plane. Um, by the time search and rescue reached the site, there were only four survivors. Um, many of the people on board were from the Osaka, Kansai, Hanshin region. Um, okay. So, and including, as I said, the president of the team. So there was already that link anyway um, with Hanshin Tigers and this crash. The next thing was that, I mean, Hanshin Tigers were actually doing quite well that year. And because of the enormity of this crash, most neutrals and even some non-neutrals um, basically for that season said, let's get behind Hanshin Tigers. Let's support them to do really well um, and hope that they will win their first championship. And as I said, remarkably, they did. And yeah. one of the things that I've also found with my research now is quite often if Japanese films are set in 1985, you'll see that almost everybody is wearing Hanshin Tigers stuff because people of a certain generation will just go oh 1985 that's the year of Hanshin Tigers kind of thing now one of the things that many people but not all people are aware of what happened in 1985 is how the championship got celebrated Um, there's a very famous um, area and street um, in Osaka called Dotonbori which even if you don't know the name the chances are you may have seen it on TV. I mean, quite often if you see a TV program set in Japan, they'll start in Tokyo and you'll see the scramble crossing in Shibuya, you know, where the people are walking in all sorts of directions all at the same time. And miraculously, nobody bangs into each other. Why people (laughs) use this shot is to some degree beyond me because we have such crossings in reality in many Mm. cities around the world, including the UK, maybe a little less lit up with neon and everything as the the Japanese example. But there's also a street in Osaka which appears on a lot of TV programs. It's not as exciting as Scramble Crossings, but it's very attractive, particularly the nighttime view, because you've got these huge neon adverts, plus a river running or canal running down the middle of it. Now, what happened in 1985 is that many Hanshin Tigers fans, this is an area, Dotonbori is an area where there's a lot of um, drinking establishments, let's say, and a lot of people drank way too much and started Mm. jumping in the river. Um, Sadly, I believe there was was actually one fatality when somebody was pushed in who couldn't um, swim or was that 85 or another year? I can't remember. Um, But anyway, people got a little bit too excited and jumped into the river. Uh It turned out it they weren't the only ones who went into the river. Very <laughs> close to this river was a yeah. branch of KFC, outside which was standing a statue of Colonel Sanders. I think I know where this is going, yeah. <laughs> and it was decided amongst the Hansen Tigers fans that um, Colonel Sanders should go for a swim. So he was duly right. deposited into the river as well, never <laughs> to be seen again. Incredible. Right, right. And 
That's as awesome. <laughs> 86 came and went, and then 87 came and went, so suddenly people started thinking, maybe the reason Hanshin Tigers aren't winning is because there's now a curse of Colonel Sanders. Naturally. Yeah, yeah. naturally. I mean, sports people, I mean, any, yeah. anybody who supports sports, people have their particular lucky shirts they wear on a day, underwear, yeah. whatever it may be. I mean, sports mm-hmm. and sort of superstitions go hand in hand. But anyway, the Hanshin Tigers fans came to the conclusion that the reason they were losing had nothing to do with the quality of managers, players, anything like that. It was down to mm-hmm. the missing Colonel Sanders. And people tried to find it. I mean, even TV programs would do special sort of live things where they'd send down scuba divers to try and find this statue of Colonel Sanders. He Incredible. was not found. And so people were convinced that this was it, that um, the Tigers would never win again. Um, in the end, they did in 2003. Um, right. Colonel Sanders himself, the statue, was actually found in 2009, albeit missing his glasses and I think one of his hands. Um, wow. The, he was then given a different pair of glasses. I'm not sure if they attached another hand. I mean, he, he wasn't in very good state by this stage. No. Ironically, no. by this time, the branch of KFC um, had closed down. And so instead, the statue was given to a branch of KFC near the Hanshin Tigers um, baseball stadium. Um, I'm sure they were really grateful for that. I'm sure they were, yes. Smelly old statue. Yeah, Absolutely. But the curse has now gone and the Tigers have, as I said, won despite, they did one despite the curse. Um, But it's one of the stories (laughs) that gets wrapped up within uh, the Hanshin Tigers uh, folklore and and so on. I have heard that story before, actually. I've, I've heard... Um, I think a, a podcast all about sports superstitions and curses, and yeah, that came up. And like you say, it's just wild. And I got, I love it. It's something I'm, I'm always fascinated by. As someone who isn't hugely into sport, it is that the, that side of the culture around it does genuinely interest me. That some people seem to be so convinced, as like you said, if I wear a lucky shirt or I, I have right. this drink with me, like my team will win. I mean, I, I'm curious. Do you have any of your own kind of superstitions when it comes oh, to completely. sport? Um, I mean, as I say, I mean, I, I support three teams in particular. So the Hanshin Tigers for Japanese mm-hmm. baseball, Sheffield United for British football, and then uh-huh. the Cincinnati Bengals for American football. And the Bengals have their own curse, all related to of course. the gorilla, which <laughs> was shot in Cincinnati Zoo. Um, oh, and again, right. that, that okay. curse may just about be coming to an end since the Bengals actually managed to get to the Super Bowl in uh, earlier in 2022. So who knows? Um, wow. Things may be changing on that front. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've often um, worn particular shirts. Um, I actually had a reverse um, bit of, not superstition, but um, mm. I didn't actually get to see the Hanshin Tigers play live myself until mm. 2016, by which time I'd been supporting them for, right. let's say, 25 years, roughly. Um, most of my trips to Japan tend to be quite short. Yeah. And, um, during a year when I was living in Japan from 93 to 94, by which time I was definitely already supporting the Tigers, um, it was one of those things where, well, I can go next weekend. We can go next weekend. And then suddenly yeah. it's just like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. actually catching a plane mm-hmm. home now. Um, and it just, it just never <laughs> happened for some reason. Um, but when I went in 2016, um, and the photograph, which I'm using in my Zoom backdrop at the moment, was taken yeah. um, at the stadium. And there's, there's things in that picture we probably need to talk about in a minute. Um, yes. I went and bought a T-shirt, a very bright yellow T-shirt. I mean, I already had some other Hanshin Tigers 
things, which I would wear from time to time, a baseball cap, one of their striped shirts. Um, and I also bought a running top kind of thing. Um, but I bought this very bright yellow shirt, which I loved because on the front, mm. it had quite a nice, it didn't have the team logo. It was more stylized than that. And on the back, it had this really nice picture of a tiger and the name of the um, the team's song. Every team has its own song, which mm. if you go to karaoke, it's one of the definites. It's, it's there. You can sing the team song and so on. So I had this mm. T-shirt. And after coming back to the UK and even when going on holiday, my family and I realized that regardless of what the weather was like in the morning, if I wore this ridiculously bright yellow T-shirt, the weather would improve during the day. I mean, it basically mm. had a 100% record, which keep in mind, I live in Wales, which is known for its <laughs> rain. If I wore this T-shirt, regardless yeah. of what the weather people would say, it was basically 99 to 100% certain there would not be rain that day. So, I mean, if we wanted to have a barbecue, mm. any special events happening outside, I would yep. get requests from my family. Can you wear your Henshin Tigers t-shirt that day? Um, <laughs> when I finally decided to retire this t-shirt because it was getting a little bit worn and uh, I yeah. decided I wanted to wear a different, I had I, by that time I decided I wanted a different bright yellow t-shirt. And because of COVID, mm -hmm. I haven't been out to get a new Tigers one. It's, it's actually a different themed t-shirt. My daughter was so upset at the idea that this T-shirt might get thrown away that she's requested to keep it just in case she needs it for um, good weather <laughs> occasions. That's brilliant. I mean, it sounds like the success ratio is there. It's, you know. It is. Unfortunately, it doesn't transfer over to Hanshin Tigers' success on the field. That one I haven't quite worked out yet. I, I don't mm. have any lucky kit to help Hanshin Tigers. But <laughs> I think one of the things to say about Hanshin Tigers and... Um, mm. This is something which a lot of people talk about, both Henshin Tigers fans, but also academics. There's a, an academic called William W. Kelly, who's written a book all about this. Mm -hmm. Most Henshin Tigers fans support Henshin Tigers, not for the baseball, but almost regardless of the baseball. If, mm. if you're going to support a team based on you want them to do well and successful, you don't support the Henshin Tigers. Mm. You're supporting them because it's more of a cultural thing. It's a shared idea identity the shared awareness that we've been through suffering the shared understanding that when something good happens we can probably enjoy it more than fans of yeah. certain other baseball teams which tend to be more successful so mm. at times the sport is actually secondary to that more sort of community feel which of course is something which is yeah. if you're living in Osaka, Kobe, that area where the Hanshin Tigers are based it's very straightforward you can see other Hanshin Tigers fans around whatever but now we're in an internet age and so on. It's actually something very easy to cultivate over the internet through Facebook groups, through Twitter. Um, there's even an English language podcast written, um, run by some guys. They called it H10. Um, so the HT bit is for Henshin Tigers and then EN for mm -hmm. English. So H10 podcast. It just brings us all, to, it all together. You, you feel as though even right. though you don't get to watch the games, you yeah. can still be part of it. And as I said, I mean, if you listen to some of these podcasts to do with the Hanshin Tigers, the baseball actually sort of saying what happened in the matches doesn't actually take up oh, like a large percentage of the podcast. It's much more sort of just talk about what's happening with the team and talk about what's happening mm. with players and even some of the off-field sort of stuff. It's 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 much bigger mm. than just, just the sport itself. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's often the sort of discussion and commentary around sport in general right is like you say the actual events are you know a couple of hours at most and then it's yeah it's everything else built around that 
Absolutely. I mean, I mean, supporting a football team. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the, these days I live in Cardiff, but I mean, when I was living in Sheffield and used to get to go to Bramall Lane on a more frequent basis to watch Sheffield United. Mm. Yeah, I was there for the football, but quite often I was there to listen to the banter and the fans around because the humour yeah. in Sheffield is so good. That's part of the experience. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, and as you say, if you're supporting a team that's for you is you know halfway around the world, yeah, you're not going to be there all the time. And I imagine like time differences as well for trying to catch up on top of it is it must be quite a lot. It, it, it's very difficult. And I mean, what tends to happen is that in this country, when mm. we have face-to-face conferences, if I meet Japanese people, um, if I even get a slight hint that they're either from the area where Henshin Tigers are based, which has a very strong regional dialect, or oh. if they say that they're a baseball fan, it very quickly leads to a conversation just double-checking whether we're fat, both fans of Henshin Tigers. And if we are, sure. then you know we're going to have a nice time at the conference and we're going to hit it off straight away. Um, it does lead mm. to some very odd situations. Um, I, c- I can't imagine. <laughs> um, well, this one you probably can't imagine. Oh, go on. So back in the early 2000s, I think this, I mean, it could even have been 2002 or 2003. So 2002, it looked as though Hanshin Tigers might be good enough to win the championship and didn't. 2003, they did. Uh-huh. I was at a conference right. and met a couple of Japanese people and it turned out they were both Hanshin Tigers fans and we just were chatting during the conference and I'll never forget this. We went out for a walk and during this walk, we ended up talking about baseball again. And mm. um, there's the three of us, another guy and a woman. And I was walking alongside the guy and there's the woman as well. And we were talking about, oh yeah, wouldn't it be amazing if the Hanshin Tigers actually finally won the championship again, despite the curse of Colonel Sanders and everything. Mm-hmm. And the woman who was from one of the islands in the Okinawan chain, which is way down sort of southwest of the main islands of Japan, um, mm. suddenly said, oh, yeah, I still vaguely remember when uh, Hanshin Tigers won the championship in 1985. We killed a cow and barbecued it. <laughs> and the guy and I just stopped in the middle of the street and she continued walking. And then you had there was this moment where she sort of just realized that she couldn't hear any other footsteps. And she turned uh... around and just like, what are you doing? And we sort of gradually caught up with her and said, <laughs> can we what? just run by that, that by you yeah. again? Did you say, and he goes, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, My right, okay, that's not how we usually celebrate championships, but okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever done an impromptu slaughter and barbecue at the end of a Champions League. That's, that's uh, something it's else. It's a little bit unusual. It's, that uh, is great, so, Sorry to any vegetarians listening. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but the 2003 championship oh, also led dear. on to another scenario. So um, mm-hmm. as well as my position at uh, Cardiff University, I, for a number of years, I was also um, an associate fellow at the Royal Institute of International Affairs, also known as Chatham House down in London. And I used mm. to run um, monthly meetings where we'd have a little like discussions about Japan. We'd get an invited speaker, have a discussion about it and so on. But we quite often had um, sort of sandwich lunch beforehand and so on. And Dignitaries would sometimes come along as well as, I mean, sort of being academics. So it was quite often journalists, people from business who deal with Japan. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, you'd also get people from the Japanese embassy coming along. And um, there was one time, um, getting late into 2003, I'm thinking it would either have been September or even October itself. So the season runs through until October. 
And yeah. I was chatting with someone from the embassy, and I'm not sure it wasn't the ambassador himself. And right. we were talking about the fact that Henshin Tigers might finally be on the cusp of winning the championship. And we were just sort of joking about it and sort of saying, oh, yeah, and you can just imagine it back over in Japan. People will be jumping into Dotonbori and so on. Like, yeah. Mm. Just imagine if there were any Henshin Tigers fans in London, what would they do? <laughs> and there was just this pause as yeah. our brains were clicking over. And it's just like, Trafalgar Square. <laughs> of course. Fountains. Trafalgar Square. Yeah. And at that point, <laughs> little sort of the, the team from right. the embassy went off and had a little chat. And my understanding is that they then contacted the Metropolitan Police or whoever deal with these things <laughs> and sort of said, there is a possibility that on such and such a day, some Japanese people, possibly even stripping down to naked, will jump into the fountains in Trafalgar Square. You may want to keep an eye on it. <laughs> I mean, it's nearly 20 years ago. My mem I can't even remember what I was doing yesterday, uh, let alone 20 years ago. My memory is that um, some barricades mm. or something were put around, but actually some people <laughs> sure. did still jump into the fountains when, uh, when the Tigers won in that year. Right. Wow. I mean, oh, just imagining that phone call in the police office, you know, they, they must get, it's London, they'll get all sorts of calls, but I can imagine that's one that would have stood out quite some time. Yeah, you would have thought so. Yeah, and the fact that it it bore fruit, you know, that it was it was a genuine call. It was well. a genuine call, yeah. As far as I know, uh, we didn't have any statues of. Uh, I don't think we have statues of Colonel Sanders in Britain that needed to. I was be that was, that was going to be my next. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is yeah, and I, I was thinking. I think you're right. We haven't got really any um, here so much. Yeah, noise. maybe we don't. As a result, who knows? Could could be. Yeah, maybe. I love um, it. And there's some other things I'd sort of like to mention as oh, well. Oh, please go for it. Um, yeah. I mean, we right at the very beginning, you sort of phrased the question, I think, about how I got into Japanese baseball. I, the, yeah. the question is actually quite interesting because by mentioning Japanese, it implies that mm. it's different to baseball in America. And sure, it actually yeah, yeah. is. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. whilst it's not, it's not only the geographic issue that it's based in Japan rather than America, um, mm -hmm. there are actually subtle differences in the rules um right and this was actually best demonstrated oh, best may not be the word this was demonstrated in a film starring tom Selleck, um <laughs> obviously best known in the 1980s for magnum um the film right. called mr baseball it came out in the early 90s mm -hmm. it may or may not be available on streaming services and so on I wouldn't necessarily recommend that listeners go away and watch it. Um, certainly not without having had some alcohol and so on beforehand. I, I actually rewatched right. it a few months ago and it was as cringy <laughs> as I remembered it being, but actually and very yeah. predictable in some ways, but mildly entertaining. Um, yeah. But basically it follows the story of this guy nicknamed Mr. Baseball, who is an American baseball player who ends up playing in Japan. And part of it is him discovering some of the subtleties of how Japanese baseball is played differently to baseball in America, um, mm -hmm. how there are certain rule differences. So in America, games generally don't end in a tie. They just go on and on and on and on. In Japan, matches um, can only have a certain number of extra innings because baseball stadiums are usually in residential areas and it would be considered impolite to be disturbing the neighbours. So the game has to be finished by a particular time to get rid of the noise. 
so there's a whole range of different things. Plus, Mr. Baseball learns all about sort of the differences between American and Japanese culture. And you can imagine all the stereotypes yeah. and cliches that come along. So there are mm-hmm. certain differences. Now, one of the things that's, I don't really think, shown in that film and may be surprising for some of your listeners to um, hear is mm. that is just how fanatical Japanese baseball fans are. I mean, having done all the stories about jumping into fountains and rivers, maybe people are now thinking that <laughs> Japanese baseball fans are very fanatical. Um, yeah. But particularly the Hanshin Tigers fans are quite fanatical. So the photograph, which I mentioned earlier, which is my Zoom background, and I took when I visited the stadium in 2016, this mm-hmm. photo was taken um, just the start of the seventh innings, which is always considered seven as lucky number and so on. And yeah. Hanshin Tigers fans fill up balloons, very long balloons, which... Um, they, ha- they have a phallic connotation, they <laughs> shall do. we say. They, 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 it's either phallic <laughs> or sperm, it's one or the other. Um, <laughs> and these balloons get released en masse at the start of the seventh innings. And they, they don't, they don't wow. just they don't just disappear up, letting the air out. They actually make a noise as they do it. So it's, it's quite a... Quite a sound experience as well as a visual experience um so and the henshin tigers fans are known for doing this they're known Mm -hmm. for being particularly loud um Mm. although i mean if you look around a picture of a stadium everybody looks as though it's quite united there's actually lots of little groups of different fans um there's an american guy called james mcknight who's actually written a few books about his experiences being a henshin tigers fans and he even sort of picks up on the rivalry between some of the henshin tigers fans where they're sitting and how they mm. do things slightly different. And some of the t- fans, including the ones that James McKnight mixes with, can be a little bit violent at times as well. But wow. Japanese fans are very loud. And it's part of me doesn't want to say the word organized because that fits with a certain stereotype of Japanese people who are organized. But there is a mm. certain organized element to it that they do. They will have a particular cheerleader. I'm not talking mm-hmm. here about sort of girls dressed up in short skirts, although they have those at some of the baseball games too. This is more sort of ahead of the gang who will sort of start coordinating their little group and start saying, this is the song we're going to sing now. And this happens even at football games, soccer games in Japan. And one of the things that really struck me when I went to a professional football uh, match one time in Japan is as soon as a team conceded a goal, the fans of the team that had just conceded the goal started singing so soon. I mean, in this country, one of the popular chants that you get at football games is you're only singing when you're winning. That yeah. doesn't, you could not sing that at a Japanese game because the, the losing team quite often is making as much noise, and as I said, straight after conceding a goal as the winning mm. team because they are literally there trying to support their team and get them out of this little slump. And the Hanshin Tigers nice. fans are particularly known for being very loud and so on. And yeah. Maybe that doesn't quite, I mean, fit with the conventional image that people have of Japanese people being reserved and so on. But I have a feeling this yeah, whole podcast yeah. is, might be gradually blowing away that <laughs> image of Japanese people. I, I think so, yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoy the one thing that they're there doing it out of a positive, you know, that they're there to support and uplift. I, I think that's really cool. But yeah, you're right. I guess the stereotypical image, as you say, is very sort of reserved, quiet, polite. But yeah, we're definitely seeing that that's not the case. But I guess that's what sport does, right? It's that it's the idea of camaraderie, of community. And I wonder if it's something that's actually quite helpful in a way that it gives them a space to do that, you know? Absolutely. I think because there's a lot of control over people's lives in Japan, I think the right. realization that the first two or three hours that you're in a baseball stadium, 
you mm. can pretty much do whatever you like within mm. reason. But I think there's yeah. even greater scope for what that reason might be at the mm -hmm. home stadium for Hanshin Tigers. Just allows people to vent and let off some of the pressure and frustration of their working lives and so on. Um, yeah. So I, I, it is a, an in, interesting sort of cultural element of, of the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I, and again, it's still within a sort of controlled setting and it's still reasonable because, as you said, they respect curfews as well, which is nice. Yeah, it doesn't feel I like mean, it's bleeding too much out into the, into the rest of the world. Yeah. Having said that, one of my <laughs> memories of watching Henshin Tigers is um, going to a department store in Osaka, um, which is, again, mm -hmm. sort of just down the road from Henshin Tigers. And um, most department stores in Japan have a beer garden on top. So, which yeah. is really good during summertime because it's very hot and humid. But mm. actually, at that altitude, it's a, it can sometimes be a little bit cooler. Plus, you get a bit of a breeze and so on. Nice to have yeah. beers, and yeah. quite often they will have a big screen where you can watch baseball. And despite the signs at the one all around the sort of the walls and everything saying at the start of the seventh innings, under no circumstances <laughs> release balloons, <laughs> you know where this is going, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, these. Part, I mean, this beer garden is whatever it is, 20 stories up. Yeah. And so I just have images of people down at ground floor, not really knowing uh, what's going on because they might not know it's the seventh innings and suddenly all these yellow <laughs> and black balloons suddenly landing on them from, as far as they're uh, concerned, nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah, people sometimes don't always obey the rules in Japan. Yeah. And I suppose, well, that's, that's kind of what all the alcohol does. I can't imagine that helps. And, and as you said it earlier, people jump, jumping into lakes and rivers naked as and slaughtering animals yeah this i'm getting a very different image to what i expected at the start of this conversation i'm, I'm sure um, <laughs> I, I mean another thing to mention about hanshin tigers is just their stadium mm. um yeah the, yeah the stadium itself um which is called koshien is iconic for all japanese people not just hanshin tigers fans mm. um and this is something which is quite difficult, I think, for British people in particular to get their head around. So mm. during August, Hanshin Tigers move out of Korshien. They have to play all their games as away games because a high school baseball tournament moves in. And essentially you've got... Right. It's not exact, but it's near enough one team from every single prefecture. A prefecture is like a British county or an American state. Yeah. Take parts representing their prefecture in this high school tournament, which is a knockout competition to try and find out which is the best high school in Japan. Um, oh. And people obviously will naturally support their own high school if it's taking part, if it's mm. not through the prefectural level. After that, yeah. people will go, well, I'll support the high school from the prefecture I'm from. Once they're yeah. knocked out, they might sort of go, well, let's go for the one that's roughly within the same region and so on. This is major viewing in japan this happens during the daytime it's not during the evening you will see people walking down mm. the street and if if there's a tv on um people will sometimes just pause to watch what's happening in the high school baseball and so on um, wow. it gets in the highest viewing figures for any sports in japan um huh. just imagine that being in the uk oh the, yeah, there's a yeah. high there's a high school soccer or football game on shall we watch it <laughs> no yeah yeah that would I mean, be a very short conversation <laughs> yeah i mean there is no interest even though there might be an mm. understanding that really good high school players might go on to be the next future football professionals and stars mm. which is what happens with these high school stars i mean 
yeah, players yeah. that many of them get drafted and go on to become professional players. Um, mm. It's just not a thing in this country. It's, 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 there's almost something equivalent, I guess, in America that college, mm. American football in particular, is very, very yeah. popular, nearly yeah. as popular as the NFL. But we don't have it in the UK. But in Japan, yeah. high school baseball is huge. And it happens at Koshien Stadium. And so people, I mean, when teams lose, you will often see the cameras will focus on the players who've lost and they go and take some of the hallowed turf from Korshien and put it in a little bag to take home with them and everything. Right. It's so iconic, the stadium. So although many baseball teams around Japan have been building new stadia, um, many of them indoor domes so they don't have to worry about the weather and so on, it's really quite unimaginable this would ever happen to Henshin Tigers, despite yeah. the fact that it has a major negative impact on them because, as I said, for the whole of August, basically they're playing away games. And so this is quite often why Hanshin Tigers, right. by the end of July, they might be first or second in the league and you think they're having a good season mm. and everybody just goes, no, nope, we've got August coming. You know what's <laughs> happening next. We're going to be losing the majority of the games in August. It's uh, yeah. August is not a time where most Hanshin Tigers look forward to um, the baseball. It has to be Cess. Right. Well, I kind of following on from that point. Yeah, I mean, what, what, how do these leagues sort of break down then? Sure. So there are two leagues in Japan. Um, mm. So there's the Central League and the Pacific League. The titles really have no reflection at all of where the teams are based um, right. at all. It's just historical. The Central okay. League is seen as the, the main league, I guess, at one level. Um, yeah. Largely because the own—I mean—over the course of history, there've only ever been two teams which are thought to have been consistently be able to make a profit, and they're the Yomiuri Giants and the Hanshin Tigers. It's generally felt the other teams, so the six teams in the two two leagues, that the other ten are probably making losses. It may not be quite so true these days. The Fukuoka-based team may actually mm. be making profits. I'm not sure. Um, right. Historically, the Central League is thought to have been the stronger league. Actually, if you look at the stats, I think it's not quite as straightforward as that. And certainly in the last 20 years, I get the, I mean, I haven't checked the figures, but I get the feeling that generally it's the Pacific League, which does better. Many of the teams are based in and around Tokyo. You then got a couple in and around Osaka um, and then a few other teams dotted around the country. As I said earlier on, it's hard to know from the names where they're actually based because quite often the name is based on the sponsor. So um, sure. My local team, when I was living in Japan for the year, and they actually went and won the championship that year, despite this being one of the years when I had really started supporting Hanshin Tigers. In fact, that may have been another reason why the Hanshin Tigers didn't win. I do seem to be a curse on sports teams, is the Tunichi <laughs> Dragons. Now, right. even if you know your Japanese geography very well, mm. you'll be going, I don't know the, where the city of Tunichi is. Well, Tunichi is the name of the newspaper which sponsors the team, which is based in Nagoya, which is Japan's fourth largest city. Okay. So, uh, so essentially, you've got these two leagues, and for the last 25 years or more now, getting close mm. to 30 years, um, there's actually been some play during the season between the two leagues. Historically, they would only right. ever play each other in the ultimate championship games to see who's the best team in Japan. Um, but since mid-90s, I think it is, there's, there's been interleague play, um, which happens in June. It's just finished recently for this season. Um, okay. But essentially, otherwise, you just the teams play the other teams in their own league in usually in a set of three games um, yeah. and gradually sort of from April roughly through until October. And then there's a knockout to decide ultimately um, who is the 
the best team in Japan. The way the knockout's been done has changed over the years. They brought in a slight playoff system, albeit it got messed up and they suspended it during COVID. Um, mm. So, um, I mean, the teams are playing about 140 games and then you've got the potential knockouts wow. as, as well. So, as I said, other than Mondays, there's from April yeah. through to October, you've practically got baseball on every single day. Um, with at least one or two TV channels showing these games. If you wow. look at the viewing figures, actually, the viewing figures aren't spectacular. Um, mm. But it fills up three hours. Having said that, if the game's not yet finished, mm. quite often the TV channel will not change their schedule. So suddenly at 9.21 in the evening, they say, we are now going to our next schedule broadcast. And it's just like, Seriously, it's the bottom of the ninth innings. There's somebody on third base. If he scores, mm. if the batter just does a half-decent hit now, it will change the game. We, no, yeah. they're switching. And wow. back in the 90s, before the internet, it would actually be, sometimes it'd be difficult to find out what goes on. Sometimes yeah. um, some text would appear on the TV screen just providing you with an update that actually the game's now finished and the score is such and such. But sometimes it's just like, what happened? You'd be like trying to find a radio station to, to cover it. Obviously, these days with mm. internet, it's straightforward you can go on twitter and the official team will has its own account and, and so on um, yeah yeah but otherwise it does feel as though sometimes baseball is just a very cheap and easy way of them to fill up their schedule in the evening for a couple of hours <laughs> right and um is that something you can still keep up with over here then as sort of international channels or sort of internet streaming services you can go to um not legally um <laughs> There are ways and means sometimes of following, but I guess sure. one of the things I haven't really necessarily made clear, mm. uh, and I think there are going to be people who will strongly disagree with me on this one. Uh, okay. Baseball really isn't a very entertaining game to watch. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. It's the atmosphere. It's the community. Okay. Okay. But actually, even being at games, I mean, it's hard to see what's going on sometimes. I mean, the ball isn't that big. Um, mm. You can often be sat a long way away. And a lot of the time, there's not actually that much action. It's a sudden moment. I guess yeah. if you're British and you're used to cricket, you kind of get it. But <laughs> yeah. A lot of time people go to the cricket, but they're spending the day getting a suntan, drinking beer, eating yeah. food, chatting to friends and so on. And then every now and again, there'd be a cheer because something's happened. And you'd look up. And of course, in that moment, you actually miss what had happened because the cheer yeah. indicates it happened a few seconds earlier. These days, are quite often with big screens. You'll see a replay or whatever. Um, but baseball can be a bit like that. I mean, I've been to watch a major mm. league baseball game um, during a trip to America. And I mean, it was the Yankees against the Red Sox, which is one of the strongest rivalries there yeah. is, I believe, in the major league. And I went with my son and... Despite at that time, I would have said I was possibly a Red Sox fan, although my allegiances, if I do have a major league team these days, have switched slightly. Um, okay. I found, and it was actually quite an exciting game in many, by baseball standards, it still felt as though it was dragging for a long time. And in a way that, an, mm. I mean, an American football game, there's usually something going on. It is actually very, yeah. very exciting. And football, you can have good day games and bad mm. games, but baseball actually i can't imagine sitting there wanting to watch baseball on tv and literally concentrating it having it on mm. the background while having a meal with friends while chatting which yeah. is how i was introduced to it um and how okay. i sort of went along with it during my trips in other years where it was just something to have on in the background while chatting while drinking mm. eating yes but 
given that the game starts typically at 10 o'clock in the morning UK time, finishes about one o'clock UK time, sort of lunchtime-ish, mm. that's a time of day where I'm usually going to be working. And yeah. I can't imagine sitting there for three hours to just watching baseball. I, I think I would yeah. lose interest quite quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's that controversial. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know a lot about the sport as a whole or in any country, but I do get that sense just from sort of context whenever I hear about baseball in the States that it's a similar attitude towards it where like the actual sport is kind of dull for most people because it does go on for so long. But it's the atmosphere, it's everything else that kind of makes up for it. And at the risk of sounding a bit, a bit dismissive of a lot of sports it's a funny thing i've always felt that like participating in a sport is way more exciting than spectating all right and i, I feel you could just say that as a blanket statement for pretty much all sport right because it's the acts it's the participating you it's you, you're engaged in an athletic physical thing you know and yeah i, I say for most and you, you, obviously there's the science behind like endorphins and everything else whereas if you sat watching it and especially if it goes on for like three, four hours, that's a long time to concentrate on anything. And especially if there's yeah. going to be periods where not a lot happens, you know, or like somebody misses. The only thing or, I would say I against that, maybe, yeah, yeah. And this is applies to me personally for baseball and American football. Uh -huh. I can't ever imagine playing either. I mean, I'm not a particularly sporty <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah, that's I, fair. I don't. I, that's I don't. Fair. I mean, I, I've been to a batting range a couple of times in Japan, and. Right. The predominant sound I heard was the ball hitting the padding behind me rather than me managing to connect the ball. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to enjoy playing baseball in the same way I didn't right, enjoy playing right, right, cricket. Right. It, when I'm fielding, uh, there'll be a lot of time me just standing there watching other people doing stuff, me not doing anything. And when the ball's mm. coming in my direction, just a moment of sheer panic that I've actually got to do something. American <laughs> football, I mean, my, my son's right. into American football both as watching but he also plays it yeah and i watch what he does and i'm thinking i'm i'm so happy he's enjoying it but that's not me i couldn't be yeah. doing what he's yeah. doing um it's Fair. it's completely a spectator mm. sport for me um mm -hmm. some sports i just think do lend themselves to a spectating experience of some sort american football is yeah. very different for baseball because although american football is meant to be an hour long mm. goes on for three and a half hours in reality but i think in terms of the actual mm. play, when they're running around in some form with the ball, I think it averages out actually of only nine minutes of play. So nine minutes of play, wow. they managed to drag out for three and a half hours. But because of all the talk about the tactics and the replays and everything that's going on, mm. most games to me feel like they go in a flash, whether I'm watching it live or mm. whether I'm watching it on TV. Yeah, baseball, it's it requires that element where you're chatting and eating and socializing yeah. as far as i'm concerned it's there's not okay. to me the same degree of tactics i understand for some people there is and i understand from even watching these great things <clears throat> like mr baseball um but there's a difference <laughs> in tactics between the way it's played in japan and the way it's played in america but predominantly yeah. for me it's a social sport rather than a fair. sport i would really want to watch well fair enough yeah i, I can see that um yeah i suppose as well it does depend on sort of the nature of the sport and how quickly things move along. I just thought actually basketball is quite entertaining to watch because it's so fast, you know, and it's one of those games you can watch. And from, from my point of view, whenever I've watched a match, I'm always like, oh, I can, I can see paying attention to this because it happens really quickly. You know, people fly up and down. Whereas like you say, something like cricket, 
I, I think is harder unless you're there and you're in the atmosphere just watching it uh, at home. The, well, I you know, actually, like I the actually, ashes goes on forever. Yeah, <laughs> you know? It does. I actually can't get into basketball. Um, oh, fair enough. I find because I find it goes too fast, especially on ah. TV. I think it's a little bit different if you're in the arena. For some reason, it feels yeah. a different speed. Mm. But um, basketball, I think also because professional basketball is so, they're so accurate. Yeah, yeah. That it just feels as though it's almost end-to-end, score, 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 score. It's just like, well, I may as well just watch the last five seconds and find out who scores last. Uh, um, okay. All right. So All right. I've, it's, it's funny. I mean, given that two of the sports that I've really mentioned today that I'm into is American football and baseball, which have their origins in America. It's ironic that basketball yeah. is a one of the only sports that's really properly invented in America is mm-hmm. one that just hasn't done anything for me um, for some reason. It, I I find it too quick. That's hey, that's fine. I mean, again, I'm I'm somebody who doesn't get the craze around football here, but. Having said that, again, it's it's each their own, and that's the spirit of this podcast. So totally Absolutely. fine. Yeah, we 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 all have our little areas which we just really get into for whatever reason. Exactly. So I'm just wondering with this thing because you've mentioned Hanshin Tigers have had like two victories. The Giants seem to win quite a lot. Is there the kind of disparity that you get then in some team sports where like it seems that one or two just get all of the victory and they usually have more money behind them and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, so. Japanese baseball works as baseball and American football um, work in America as well, where there's a drafting system where, in theory, the Uh weakest team gets the pick of the best new players and so on. So what's Mm. meant to happen is the teams are meant to even out. Um, And this is best seen with the NFL and was particularly seen with the last season where, I mean, other than a couple of exceptions, it almost felt as though anybody could win on any given day and end up Mm. winning the Super Bowl and so on because that's the NFL system. They've all got the same amount of money to spend on salaries and so on. There's meant to be a whole load of equalization. And although in reality, for many years, for example, New England Patriots were winning the Super Bowl, so it didn't feel as though it was parity. Across the league, actually, it, there was quite a lot of parity. Mm. And that's what's meant to happen with Japanese baseball. And yet, it just seems as though every year, it's the same three or four teams which end up with a chance of, of winning. Um, right. And whether that's just down to the fact that supporters really make a difference, and so playing in front of a full stadium with people behind you, playing mm-hmm. away games where there's critical mass. I mean, when Hanshin Tigers play in Tokyo, there's still a group of people who are supporting them, not travelling up necessarily from the Osaka region following the team, but there's so many people from Osaka, Kobe, that area, who live in Tokyo, that they will go along and support. Yeah. And because they are particularly noisy, that although it doesn't feel like a home game, they still can feel as though we've got people supporting us. And that sure. may make a difference for in a way that doesn't exist for some of the other teams where you look at the away support and that part of the stadium is almost completely empty. Um, mm. So, I mean, that that may be part of the reason. Money may actually still be part of the reason that in the end it's difficult for certain teams to attract the free agents and so on and the way the contracts work there. Some of this ties into sponsorship deals as well. Who's going to get, like, players get money for and adverts it's easy to do that if you play for one of the bigger teams and so on yeah um, yeah but it does feel as though the level of equalization in japanese baseball just isn't quite there in the way it's supposed mm. to be um maybe over the course of a decade you start to see some shifts um okay. but generally if if the yomiuri giants aren't first or second mm. you assume that there is something fundamentally gone wrong that they've got a there's a major crisis 
happening yeah. somewhere. And it will be a major news topic that they're not sort of one of the top two teams. Um, yeah. Whereas if the other teams make it like are, are doing well, it's almost seen as, oh, it's their turn, but next year it's going to be back to the Giants again kind of thing. I mean, most people in Japan, regardless of what their team is, yeah. are fundamentally, I mean, for someone like myself, it's Hanshin Tigers, but alongside that, we're also anti-Giants. So whoever the Giants <laughs> are playing, we support the other team. And most Japanese baseball fans are like that. You either yeah. support the Giants or you're anti-Giants, plus also you have your own team as well, possibly. Right, okay. I could see that. Kind of makes sense, yeah. Uh, I just, I wonder about that, because, um, I mean, we mentioned English football, obviously, earlier, and it's the, the biggest sport here. Um, and you get it in other sports as well. Like, I used to follow the MotoGP with my dad, and used to see it there as well, where, like, certain people would get what you would say are technically unfair advantages, you know, with nicer equipment, whether it's more money behind them, better players, whatever. And it would mean that, yeah, like you say, you get one or two that just kind of stay at the top. And it's, I think that's I mean, one thing that can be a little bit frustrating as a fan is, you know, you'd rather have it like the NFL last year, as you mentioned, where it's like, it's anyone's game. It's just kind of, I feel like it's more exciting then personally, but. Absolutely. And I, I mean, one of the things that's been said over the years about baseball, and this applies yeah. both in America and in Japan, is that because, mm. I mean, albeit there can be con controversies over whether VAR and other equipment is working or so on, but fundamentally mm. in football, you know when a goal has been scored because the ball is in the net. I mean, right. there are very few exceptions to that. I mean, there was a match many years ago at Southampton's old stadium where the stand was so close to the goal, the ball actually hit one of the advertising hoardings and came out so quickly that the ref <laughs> never saw that the ball had gone in, so the goal didn't count. And <laughs> when we started the matches during COVID and everything was empty stadiums and just shown on TV, the very first match, they forgot to turn on the equipment. And Sheffield United, of course, went and scored a goal, but the system didn't pick up the ball crossed the goal line, oh. so it didn't get counted. But generally, you know when a goal is a goal. Yeah. In baseball, the strike zone although you've got this bit of painted ground that shows where it should be there's generally a feeling that certain teams the umpires look at the strike zone in a slightly different way depending on who's playing um, mm. and in japan there's a feeling that the strike zone gets a little bit wider when the pitcher is japanese and the batter is non-japanese um, right and although you could have a form of VAR, Hawkeye, other technology to confirm whether it was a mm. strike or not, they, that, that route hasn't been taken. And that analysis isn't mm. even really done on TV. And so I think that leads open to the suggestion that maybe that possibly, mm. whether it's deliberate or not, this could lead to some impact on the way that games go and why certain teams end up doing better than others and, and so on. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. We need to be really careful with what I'm saying. I, I don't imagine anybody from the <laughs> from the Japanese Professional Baseball League actually listening to this podcast and translating it into Japanese and so on. But I have a feeling that I need to be careful, otherwise I'm going to get well, done for slander or something. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think it's you've just laid out the facts, and yeah, like you say, make of that what you will. I mean, that was a big thing. I remember that in football for the longest time it was like, yeah, we've we spent all this money filming it. And we have all these replays for everybody else to see. So why are we not using that technology? I know it's taken a long time. Then once we introduced it, we realized why it was such a good idea that we didn't introduce it. And can we now please get rid of it? Because <laughs> <laughs> it ruins the game. 
Well, I'd, yeah. Or, or at least it, it seems to. So it seems mm. there's a, there's a certainly for coming from supporting a team which is not seen as one of the big teams. Yeah. And there's cer- certainly a feeling from when Sheffield United was in the Premier League that VAR and all those various systems tended to favour the ones, the teams which were likely to get into the Champions League, the ones that had the more mm. financial muscle, and the ones for whom not getting into the Champions League would be a major financial problem. Um, there seems to be mm. favouritism, but. Of course, that's what fans of teams which were losing and do, got, tended to get the losing verdicts from uh, VAR would say, wouldn't it? I was going to say, yeah, it's. I guess you have to check your bias when commenting on these things, but absolutely. But um, no, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting element of it. I not thought about or even knew. So okay, but I suppose on a more positive note, then it's it's one of those things. Despite those setbacks, you mentioned the you know, Hans and Tigers have at least had it two victories and I get the sense that then there have been a couple of others as well I think we've we've had four I think we've had about four in total not always gone on to win the Japan series where they beat the other team from Pacific right. League but there have mm. been a, we have had a had a few and I'm right in thinking because there's not a lot of teams in in both leagues that at least at once everyone gets a chance at it or or a theory <laughs> In theory, um, there's been a bit of movement of teams, um, particularly in the Pacific League. Um, So there's now a team in Sendai, which is obviously the area which was most hit by the 2011 earthquake tsunami and so on. Um, Uh There's a team there now, which there didn't used to be. There's a team up in Sapporo, which I can't remember when they moved there. Um, Mm. At least I think they're still in Sapporo. Um, So there's been a little bit of movement and not necessarily every um, team has won. Um, I, I would need to double check it, or someone will need to go and double check it. But okay. uh, in theory, yes, but in practice, possibly not. Well, where I'm going with that is this, is this the idea of like we can apply this to the Hanshin Tigers as, as we know they've won them. Is I do think that sometimes, even though there's a lot of frustration that comes with that of not being the team that wins usually wins, that when you do get that victory, it feels even sweeter because it feels like it's earned. Absolutely, and this this is one of the reasons why I switched to supporting them because that's what I could appreciate mm. from who I supported as both a football fan and an American football fan. That yeah, when, when we win, it just feels extra special and right. Yeah, so you, as you say, you feel as though you've actually earned it rather than mm. that sort of arrogance that well, of course we won, and it's not yeah. sort of that we won it. It's just like well, why wouldn't we win it? It's, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 our destiny to always win these things. Is certainly mm. how. Many Yorimuri Giants fans seem to come across. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. It's something I've always felt, again, with my very limited knowledge of and of interaction with sport, is the idea of sportsmanship, right? Of it's, it's people going against each other. It's, it's fair competition. Um, and I argue, yeah, if, if a team's expected to win and they do all the time, then it kind of takes the sportsmanness, sportsmanship out of it. So totally. yeah, I can yeah. totally see why you why you'd support Hanshin, and and it's nice to know that they do get those moments. And I mean, nineteen eighty five to what did you say two thousand three? Two thousand three. So um, so it seems like you are due another one soon. Yeah, I'm trying know. to remember when. So <laughs> um, we won two thousand three, um, two thousand and five. I think that two thousand five was that the last time we won the Central League. I have a feeling mm. it was. I think we've been into. The, playoffs and japan series again after that because okay the new playoff system but the only time they've actually won the nippon series which is where you beat the team from the pacific league was the 1985 time 
Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, we, we're due a title, and it, as I said, it really looks as though it was going to happen last year um, when mm. they went on an incredible run and then just collapsed. Um, oh. And then this year, of course, is Year of the Tiger, if you use the Chinese Zodiac and so on. So there was a ah. real feel that this year, this year was going to be the year. And, um, yeah, Hanshin Tigers went and set a record going the longest into a season without winning a single game. They were, they've been mm. absolutely dreadful. Oh. And then su- suddenly in May, June time, woke up and dragged themselves up to about third in the league, doing particularly well against when there was the interleague play um, against the teams from the other league. Um, oh. But have had a little bit of a bad week this week. So uh, okay. I think it's slumped, slumped back to fourth or fifth place. And as I said, we've still got August to come. So I don't think many Hanshin Tigers mm. are holding out hope for this season. But it's a strange season because uh, although a lot of people went into it with the hope based on last year and it being the year of the Tiger, the manager actually announced before the start of the season that this was going to be his last season. And I always think in any sport, when a manager says, this is my last season, that mm. doesn't bode well for how sort of team chemistry and so on. Everybody's just a little bit unsure about how things are going. and. Will yeah. the manager even worry about the decisions they've been making? Because they've already said they're going. So what difference does it make to them kind of thing? So, true, true. Although I, may, I, I maybe they it, want to go out on a bang if they can help it. Yeah, you would have thought so. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> based on what was happening in the first few games, it was completely the wrong bang that they, <laughs> that they were delivering. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, I hope that does turn around. If it, Even if it's not this year, like, you know, future leagues, that would be really cool to see. Absolutely. Having said that, there's somewhere out there on a small island near Okinawa, there's a little calf or cow that would be getting very nervous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess on that note, I'm just wondering, is, is there anything else you wanted to bring up with uh, with Japanese baseball? Because I've, I've been fascinated by this, honestly. It's, it's so okay, much so to learn. I guess there's one thing I haven't really mentioned, and uh-huh. this won't come as any surprise to anybody given sort of um, if they know anything about Japan, is mm-hmm. that all of the baseball teams have at least one mascot. I mean, Japan has mascots for practically sure. everything. Yeah. Towns, villages, anything can have a mascot. Uh-huh. All of the Japanese teams have at least one. Hanshin Tigers has two that I can think of, uh, male mm. and female. Um, but any of your listeners who've got this far and are still listening, <laughs> you need to just do a Google search for crazy Japanese mascots. And you'll find one for the Lotte Marines, L-O-T-T-E, and then Marines. Um, they introduced a new mascot, 2019, I think it was, where it looks like this sea monster running across the pitch. And then it stops, and the person inside the mascot comes <laughs> out through the mouth. Oh, my um, goodness. I mean, if, to try and picture it, it's basically if you watch the last minute or two of Jaws in reverse, it's like <laughs> what happens with Quint, but going the other way. Um, it's right. really odd. I, I don't understand the concept at all. Um, but yes. What, what was the Japan, uh, the name of that again? The mascot? Lotte Marines. Ch- Chiba, they're based in Chiba. So Chiba Lotte Marines. Lotte is um, it's a company that makes chocolates and, and things like that. Um, so I'm... just to... Do a little search for it. And I mean, you um, need to find the YouTube video, the, the big uh, YouTube videos or something of this <laughs> character just running across the pitch and literally sicking up the person who was inside the costume. It's, it's, this is uh, wild. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah you'll need to, when, when, when you tweet this episode out you'll need you'll need to include the a little gif or video will, of that as well um, i will yeah def, definitely and, will and and tigers don't do that we have two very sensible looking uh-huh. mascots um one male one female as i said basically looking like lions dressed up in the tiger's uniform and so on it's much more sensible that is actually i've just quickly looked that up as well yes that's kind of cute actually they, they are kind of cute. They're, they're, they're nice. I, I, I like them. Um, yeah. The only other thing that I would mention, and uh-huh. this ties into another bit of my research. So one of my bits mm. of research that I do is something called contents tourism. So right. contents tourism is primarily where people go to visit a place because they like that place where, because a film was made there, TV program was made there, something like yeah. that. So to stick with Jaws, which I mentioned previously, mm-hmm. um, one of the main reasons why I went to Martha's Vineyard a few years ago is because that was where Jaws was filmed. I wanted to see yeah. the actual places where Jaws happened. And no, I did not go into the water. I didn't stop my kids from going into the water, <laughs> but I did not go in myself. Um, so that's contents tourism. And generally, contents tourism, as I say, is about people going to visit places. Yeah. Um, one of my interests is transportation. So as I said, I already... Um, I mentioned earlier on, I'd done a study about the world's biggest plane crash, which happened in Japan, but I also look at things when things go right. Um, So I've done studies about the Shinkansen, the bullet train, and I've also done studies about aviation more generally in Japan. And one of the things that I've discovered from these studies is that although we think of transportation as something we use to get from point A to point B, there are actually times where contents tourism happens with transportation so the best example mm. of this is actually that uh, although they're going to stop them now for a number of years all nippon airways which is japan's biggest airline had star wars characters on the planes like oh cool painted on the livery yeah. um, and although sometimes this was just like a whole picture of r2d2 or whatever mm-hmm. there was one which was basically if you saw it from the right angle basically looks like c3po mm. um and part of my idea of this is that actually, I mean, some people ask, why would they do this? To which I say, well, that's the wrong question. It's more, why wouldn't a Japan country which loves pop culture so much, why mm. wouldn't they do this, given it doesn't cost them much extra to do so, albeit there's probably licensing things to deal with with Disney and so on. Yes. Um, so I have that interest in this contents tourism and argue that actually there are mm. cases where the contents tourism can happen on transportation. Yeah. Where does this get to with Hanshin Tigers? Well, there are actually been airplanes with... Um, Hanshin Tigers logos and stuff on the side of the plane as well. So nice. there's actually been Hanshin Tigers aeroplanes. I haven't flown on it, um, mm. but I have seen it from a distance. I haven't got a very good photograph yet, but uh, at some stage I, I, I hope to get a better photograph of a Hanshin Tigers plane. But uh, awesome. it's just another sign of how Japan likes to blur the boundaries between pop culture and mascots and mm. sport and everything. I mean, there have been aeroplanes which have pop stars like drawn on the side of them and all sorts of weird and wonderful things Um, i love that with japan gradually opening back up again after covid and so on hopefully by the autumn tourists Mm. will be properly allowed into the country um i would definitely recommend people get out to japan see all the weird and wonderful things and um, also maybe go to a hanshin tigers baseball game but remember you're going there to listen and interact with the fans and drink beer rather than necessarily watch the game yeah and release phallic balloons yeah Absolutely, yes. and, and don't harm any animals if you can help it. Yes, yes. Please, please avoid <laughs> harming animals. Vegetarian options of celebrations are available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for for coming on and just 
walking me through all of this fascinating bit of culture. Um, I guess really to take us home, where can the good people find you and your research that dives even more into this stuff? Excellent. Yes, thank you. And I should have been more prepared for that particular question. But, <laughs> um, if you use a link tree, um, Mm-hmm. And then, so that's, I think, L-I-N-K-T-R-E-T-R and then dot E-E. That's correct. And then, yeah. and then forward slash. And then do hood CP. So mm. hood as in Robin Hood and then CP. You will find a link to my uh, homepage. I use WordPress. I keep a, a blog there, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram, everything. You'll find all my links there. That's the easiest way of probably finding me. Um and always, although I'm taking a break from social media during August, at least of 2022, mm. always happy to hear from people with questions and suggestions about other things I could be writing on. As I said, from my WordPress page, you'll find a whole load of posts I've also done about Hansh and Tigers, but also details about my academic books and mm. also details about my novels, which are set in Japan, some of which also include um, references to Hansh and Tigers, of course. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I will make sure to get a link for that and chuck it in the show notes for people to go and check out. Fabulous. Thank you so much. And there we have it. Thank you so much to Dr. Christopher Hood for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of a truly unique and wonderful sport. I hope you guys listening really enjoyed this episode. Make sure you go and check out his writing. I've put the link tree in as well as a few of the direct links to the website, his Amazon page, and so much more. You can find out more about Japanese baseball, Japanese culture, and a ton of other things. As an academic and author, Chris is incredibly busy and prolific, so it's well worth going to check out if you want to learn something from him. As always, I want to give a massive thank you to Alex, who designs the artwork for the podcast. If you like what you see in the logo and the Twitter banners for this show, make sure you head over to the links that I've provided in the show notes, where you can reach out to Alex personally and commission him your very own artwork, I can guarantee that you will not be disappointed. In fact, I like it so much, I went ahead and put it on a t-shirt. You can head over to the Tee Public store, the official Tee Public store for this podcast, and see that wonderful logo on a whole host of amazing merchandise. Links are in the show notes for that if you'd like to go and have a little browse, maybe pick up a t-shirt, a mug, a, I think there's iPhone cases in there, there's all sorts of stuff in that amazing store all featuring that wonderful artwork by Alex. Again, links are in the show notes if you'd like to head over and check that out. If you'd like to support the podcast for free, the best way to do that is to head over to your favorite podcatcher, whatever you're listening to this on right now, and leave a lovely five-star review or rating. If you have done that, then please tell me so I can thank you in person on the podcast. It really is the least that I can do to say thank you for your continued support of the show. And of course, the other way to support the show for free is just by simply recommending it to a friend. Word of mouth, social media, whatever you choose to do, I greatly appreciate it. And I just, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for listening, for telling people about it. Without you guys, I wouldn't have a show. It's as simple as that. Right, that's enough from me. I'll be back again in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject. And I hope to see you then. So until next time, Stay tuned and stay safe.